Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about Aventure, a new platform that's making venture capital available to the masses. It doesn't matter if you are an accredited or non-accredited investor. Aventure provides a opportunity to diversify your investment portfolio by providing access to investing in venture capital funds. The Aventure app provides everything you need to make startup investments, including extensive research material, seamless transaction processes, and allocation measures. For fund managers, Aventure seeks to help you streamline your operations and launch your fund. Now, typically, venture capital and startup investments are liquid, which is a major pain point in our industry. Aventure is fixing this by offering periodic withdrawals for its investors. I and many others in the industry are so excited about this launch. Their first fund launch is coming early next year. So if you want to be the first in the know, join their waitlist at aventure.vc. That's A-V-E-N-T-U-R-E dot V-C. Also check the link in the show notes. Aventure is a California-based fintech company and operates independently from investment advisors on its platform who may be registered as investment advisors in the U.S. or qualify for exempt reporting status. Hey, I'm Mike Gelb, and this is the Consumer VC Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of venture capital and consumer innovation. If you're enjoying the show, I highly recommend subscribing to my newsletter at theconsumervc.com for all episodes directly to your inbox, as well as I publish a weekly roundup that has all the latest consumer venture deals that are happening. All content episodes are for informational entertainment purposes only and is not investment advice. Our guest today is Wyatt Taubman founder of Vibe Organic. Vibe Organic is fresh pressed wellness shots from organic superfoods. I'm a huge fan of the product. I've bought quite a few of them at Whole Foods. We actually recorded this a couple days after they were acquired by Suja. We discussed his introduction to health and wellness, how he began Flow Water, a refillable water kiosk, how he got into wellness shots and starting a CPG brand, their multiple inflection points as they grew, and why they eventually sold to Suja. Without further ado, here's Wyatt. Wyatt, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you, man? Hey, Mike. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that, we, that we're finally able to do this. Want to start a little bit from the beginning of your journey. What attracted you to health and wellness? Um, because it seems like there's kind of a theme um, in like the, the kind of two companies that you founded, Flow Water and Vive on the health and wellness side, and also why entrepreneurship for you? So um, on the entrepreneurship side, I think I, that's just, I was, I was born an, uh, an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur. Um, I remember back when I was, you know, in middle school, I, uh, I actually ordered some like chicken eggs and I hatched these chicken eggs and I raised these chickens and I started selling the chicken eggs. I was on the side of the road selling, you know, selling bracelets that I made, um, just all kinds of little things like that growing up in Hawaii. So uh, I think I was just always, um, always an entrepreneur at heart. And, um, and then uh, I didn't really discover um, kind of my passion for health and wellness um, and, and starting businesses like Flow Water and Vive until college when I was um, studying environmental studies in college and uh, learning about all the issues with you know, pollution across the world and really wanting to try to make a difference and figure out how I could, um, you know, have a big impact on the world. And that's really got, uh, what's got, what got me started on the idea of, of flow water and then, and then vibe after that. 
That's awesome. Um, as well, I mean, I love kind of hearing about that story of selling chickens on the side of the street, and also, um, I guess your own version of like a, a lemonade st- uh, stand uh, per se. How did you found uh, Flow Water? Because it actually it seems like a quite a complicated, expensive product to kind of launch as your first step into you know you kind of full full time entrepreneurship. Yeah, uh, hardware is definitely expensive and and challenging for your first startup, um, especially when you have you know no connections. Uh, to anybody with money um, at, at the time. So um, I was uh, studying, I was, the idea came while I was in college. And this was back in, you know, 2008, 2000, and, and even 2007. And I saw, I saw um, students carrying reusable canteens around. I had one as well. And um, I was a science major. So outside of, um, in the science department, you couldn't bring the reusable canteens into the classrooms because of, of the labs. So I kept seeing more and more reusable canteens piling up uh, outside of the classrooms. And then I started seeing people filling them in drinking fountains, holding them sideways. And, um, and at the time, I was working on an environmental news uh, blog that I had gotten going. And one of the writers um, who was writing for the blog, I, I saw her buying a Dasani uh, water bottle. And I was like, what, you know, hey, you're buying this Dasani water bottle, like you're writing for our, our environmental news blog, like, what are you doing? And she's like, I, you know, can't stand the taste of the tap water in San Diego. And so I was kind of seeing the people, the students carrying the reusable canteens, filling them up in drinking fountains. I had that interaction. And then I just had this idea of creating a really premium reusable water bottle refilling kiosk. Um, that hopefully if the experience was so cool and so unique and the water tasted amazing, that uh, hopefully a lot of people would want to fill their reusable canteens up and, uh, and would be actually excited to move away from premium brands of bottled water like Fiji or Voss or whatever the brand was and actually fill their bottle up. And this was before you know anything existed at the time. This was like 2008 and nine when I say anything existed. There was no refillable like stations at the airports or corporate campuses or universities. And, uh, and so anyway, I started working on this idea of creating a really premium reusable water bottle refilling kiosk. And, um, I graduated college and, uh, I couldn't get anybody to be the, the Guinea pig, uh, to test the the product out. I found a, a manufacturer in, in Arizona who could manufacture it. Um, but I got my, and so I got my old high school, uh, back on Kauai. They were willing to be the guinea pig and the bank of Hawaii was willing to give uh, me a bank loan of about $18,000. So I moved back to Hawaii and, uh, got the bank loan that my mom co-signed and launched the first flow water refill station in my old high school in, in 2000, early 2011. And, uh, and then that was, that was the start. That was the very beginning. And, um, yeah, that's how I got got going. It seems now like, you know, an obvious or like hidden in place site, you know, because like you go to airports, you go to kind of public places and like you always, you see them around everywhere. And, you know, you're, and, and as you say, like people are kind of tra- traveling around with their canteens. Um, um, why don't we have, you know, more purified, you know, easy way, also like convenient way to actually refill your, your water bottle than what was currently out there, you know, and you don't really even kind of think about doing so now because um, it's everywhere. Was... Once you kind of have like that kind of proof of concept and at, in Hawaii, was it pretty, what, did it become, and you kind of had that, that gift of like, of, of the Bank of Hawaii being able to kind of back you and give you some money. When you started approaching investors, was that, was it kind of obvious or, 
or or what was kind of like m- more proof that they kind of needed? Fortunately, that first machine made money. Uh, so <laughs> I uh, it, it was actually really well received. It was really, really a cool experience. Um, How does the machine actually make money, right? Because like consumers aren't actually charging. What's kind of like the model there? Well, at the time, that, that first machine actually, it did, it was like a pay-per-use. Uh, it, it took quarters, it, it, took, it took dollars, um, it took actually... Um, like RFID uh, chip uh, chips and and cards and credit cards and all that. So um, it it was really well received by the students and the faculty, probably because I went to the school. So the faculty, you know, they were all very supportive. But the students loved it, and they were all filling their reusable water bottles up, and they were really um, excited to be drinking this premium water and not um, buying plastic water bottles. And so, fortunately, I it made it made money. So I. Um, I had about three months of, of uh, you know, sales coming in, and I took that um, and and I went and raised the friends and family round, and um, and wanted to continue to to expand within Hawaii and really test different channels out and get a sense of whether it could work, you know, outside of my old high school and work at the university or convenience stores or you know uh, shopping centers in all types of different locations to see if the, how big of a potential addressable total addressable market there might be you know out you know within hawaii but then of course eventually broader and and across the entire u.s and so um i worked to raise a friends and family round of about a hundred and twenty thousand dollars um and fortunately you know some of the different um parents from my old high school you know went in on it and i was able to raise that and build more of the flow water stations start to get them placed throughout hawaii and actually, one of the things that really um, helped and and created a lot of early momentum was the the Triple Crown of Surfing, one of the most premier uh, surfing events in the world, um, is in Hawaii. And and um, I had heard that they were trying to figure out how to become more eco friendly and reduce their waste. And so I presented the idea of um, that event going one hundred percent plastic water bottle free, and we'd set the stations up across the event and and get them reusable water bottles for all the athletes and the staff and they they jumped they jumped on board they took a risk because it was basically just me and setting them up myself and running the the plumbing lines everywhere and you know digging trenches on the beach to run the plumbing um but it ended up working really well and uh they were announcing you know um flow water you know hydrating the triple crown of surfing got they went completely eco-friendly and it created a lot of um, buzz. And and so I had a lot of inbound interest coming in from across the world at that time. So it was at that point, you know, um, about uh, how, how taking the next step, taking the the interest along with the proof of concept from some of these different pilots at the University of Hawaii, you know, um, other private uh, schools, shopping centers, convenience stores, p- packaging that all up figuring out how to reduce the cost of manufacturing by a lot. I needed to get that down by about 86% in order to make the business model really work. And then once I I had figured out how to get the cost down that much, you know, with, with the the proof of concept from the, uh, the, the, all the different pilots we had going in Hawaii and then that triple crown and you know, kind of big uh, blast that went out across the world I was able to take all that, package it up, and then and then hit the fundraising trail to raise the first about a about a million dollars back in 2013. That's no, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and it's cool how um 
how that event really was kind of a platform that you needed in order to, um, cause I too, I, I'd imagine too, since it was such, you know, a, a big event and it's, you know, surfing, which is such a global, uh, sport that you had, you know, qu- that, that a lot of different people from kind of all over, you know, in different parts of the world were able to actually see it and kind of understand, um, this concept and how it actually could be, you know, pretty incredible, especially with, you know, with any of these kind of things, like I did a triathlon recently and like, it's, you know, whenever you have, you know, a lot of reusable, waters like that that always happens like people passing out water and what have you um and so to understand like the kind of proof of concept in in a really um in a very practical sense um like that must have been like super super incredible it it really was um we got you know felt got really lucky it was also just such a cool experience to you know to see uh an event like that where all the professional surfers and all the staff and all the fans were, were carrying reusable canteens around and filling them up. And this was back in 2011. So this was like so early before now it's, it's, it's obviously reusable canteens and filling them up at refill stations is a big thing. Um, But at the time that was, it was like, it didn't exist before. And so that became a big marketing arm for, for flow water. We ended up hydrating, you know, lots of large fitness events across the country, um, lots of like large music festivals, outside lands, Coachella, you know, massive music festivals across the country would get the flow water refill stations over time. And that became a, a big thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so what led you to, um, I guess, fast forwarding a little bit, what kind of led you to leaving flow water and what kind of got you interested or curious about wellness shots and what eventually led to Vive? Yeah. So, um, so I'll start with just my, my early interest with Vive. Um, so going back to, I grew up in Hawaii, um, you know, 18 years on the North shore of Kauai in Kilauea. And when I grew up on Kauai, I grew up, um, doing a lot of, of like gardening and I, mentioned I had chickens and I had, you know, I, I grew ginger and turmeric in my backyard. So I was already, um, I was pretty big into, um, you know, those types of superfoods from like an early age. I just believed in those types of the powerful, um, beneficial, you know, attributes of, of those types of eating healthy and, um, living a healthy lifestyle like that. So, um, I was a, you know, big surf, like I surfed a lot, surfed every day. Um, and so I had an experience in January of 2014. Flow Water was hydrating a large fitness event in Florida, in Florida, and I was out there for that. And I had been working, you know, 24-7 for, for Flow Water. Um, and I was walking around all the vendors for this fitness event, and I was feeling pretty funky, um, you know, kind of getting sick, low energy. And I came across a ginger turmeric shot on ice at this uh, little local vendor, you know, booth. And I had never experienced anything like it before. Um, I had never seen anything like it before when I, you know, and I've always been a, a big fan of healthy drinks, healthy beverages ever since I discovered whole foods. When I moved out of off Hawaii to go to college, um, I would be like, you know, just blown away by all these really healthy beverages and drinks when I'd walk into this, into their store, but I never saw anything like a concentrated, super powerful, but fresh 
little two ounce shot of ginger and turmeric and these superfoods that I really felt make a difference for people's energy and vitality in life. And so I thought this is such a cool concept. You know, this could be everywhere. Like we all have experienced five hour energy and that's everywhere. So why can't this be everywhere? Um, and this could really do a lot of good for people. So I um, got excited about the concept, but I was still full time at Flowwater. And a year prior to that experience, um, I had, uh, when I was raising our seed round, um, connected with somebody who I ended up bringing into Flowwater. Um, and he, I, he was, he joined Flowwater as the CEO at the time. That was my, Flowwater was my first ever, you know, venture. And I had been doing everything by myself at that point. So I thought it would be a good idea to partner up, um, with someone who had a lot more of experience than I did, um, at the time. So he joined, um, as CEO, um, back in, in middle of 2013. Um, and so we worked together for the next several years, but, uh, but by middle of 2015, you know, it was really time for me to, you know, take everything that I had learned, uh, working at Flowwater and go start my own next venture, you know, and do it myself as, as CEO for the, for the entire thing. So, um, so I took, uh, this really cool experience I had with, with the wellness shots from, from years prior. Um, and I looked back into the idea of, of Vive and I spent a couple of months of doing diligence and, uh, um, I just saw so many different trend indicators that made me think like, this is, this is really going to blow up and I really want to spend my time, um, time in this area. No, that's, that's really cool with your, with your, um, decision, as you say, from, from Flow Rider, Flowwater. You were um, obviously founder, CEO, and then you decided to step down as CEO and bring someone into CEO. But you knew that kind of the next company you started, you kind of wanted to kind of take it all the way, or you know, be the CEO until you know an event happens, which we'll get to. But um, but um, why? You know, there's some entrepreneurs that just love to kind of build from zero to one, right? And then like that's kind of their that's kind of their thing. Um, and then, and then, and then stop and then, you know, go back to starting another company and kind of incubating a company or, or, or what have you and build it from zero to one. How do you think about like almost like your like realm of talents and why you wanted to kind of build like be CEO, at least when you're thinking about this next, um, opportunity, which ultimately, uh, uh, ultimately became Vive. Um, but actually, didn't knew that you never actually along this way wanted to hire a CEO like you did previously. I just really wanted to, I wanted to experience what it was like um, to go through the process of growing, you know, a company from the very start all the way to, to where we've gotten Vive. And I, you know, you don't really know what, like you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know if I would love that experience more or if I would love the early, you know, the earliest days more, I didn't really know what part of it that I would love the most. Um, and so I really just wanted to have that experience. And I wanted to, to learn what it was like. And, and I am someone who just really enjoys lots of, of kind of new experiences and learning a lot. And, and so it was like a continual, endless learning journey uh, through, you know, for the for the last seven years. And that was awesome. Um, so that was really kind of it is just like I, I wanted to, I really wanted to experience what it was like to build something from the ground floor, from scratch, scale it, you know, to the size that we've scaled Vive. Eventually, you know, that that brand would be likely acquired if we did a good job building, you know, building it. <laughs> what was it like as well? Because, I mean, Flowwater, it sounds like 
a very capital intensive business, right? Um, in terms of building it, as you said, you needed to cut costs by 86% in order to even stay in business, which is, I mean, kudos to you for being able to do that, but that's, you know, sounds, um, incredibly difficult. Um, what was it like transitioning to a CPG product and how did you even go through like, you know, figuring out the supply chain and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, like, I mean, I imagine it's a world of business to actually doing a full on hardware product, but like, what was, what was kind of that experience like with, with Vibe? Yeah. Uh, it was funny when, when we first got going with Vive, I was like thinking to myself, this is, oh my gosh, this is so easy compared to, <laughs> to- <laughs> I was, I was, I was thinking that. <laughs> I really was. It was like, you can use, you know, there's, there's all these, um, co-packers. They already know, you know, how to manufacture products like in the food and beverage, uh, industry. This is what they do. Um, there's all this infrastructure that already exists in the food and beverage industry. There's all these amazingly talented people that already exist in the food and beverage industry that you can, you know, engage as advisors or as, uh, you know, you can bring into bring in on the team. Um, and they actually know what they're doing. Uh, in, in Flowwater, it was pretty much we were creating everything from scratch. You know, um, we were figuring out how to manufacture the product completely from scratch. We were you know, going over to, um, you know, to Korea and China to try to figure out the right manufacturing, um, and eventually landed in Korea, um, and, and, you know, trying to build up the infrastructure to service the equipment, you know, across the country, um, and all of that. And so very capital intensive, you know, building process and structure and, um, and infrastructure completely from scratch the entire time. Um, and that would just took a lot of work. And then, and then I came, came to Vive and I was like, oh my gosh, all of this already exists. This is amazing. Of course, we needed to figure out how to create the product and develop the right flavor profile and the right ingredients um, and working with our team of integrative medicine doctors that we brought in and all of that type of stuff. But once we, once we did that, there was all of these existing kind of support services that exist that was, you know, that were already part of, part of the, the ecosystem and part of the industry that we could tap into. And that helped us go that much faster. And it was awesome. It's quite, at this point, you know, pretty robust when it comes to, you know, the co-manufacturing um, businesses for, you know, CPG product lines, where I'd imagine when you're trying to build like a, a whole new hardware product, that is um, incredibly difficult because um, you're obviously working maybe a lot more one-on-one hands-on with like the manufacturer in terms of trying to get what, what your vision is. Um, where in this scenario, you're creating the formulas yourself and, um, and then you're able to kind of, uh, mention that to the manufacturers and they kind of have a lot more understanding of, of, of what they kind of need to do in order to be a, pro- a product. How did you approach this as well for Vive on the brand side too? Like, how did you think about where like your old brand positioning, where you thought you were in the market and as well as like maybe your initial sales di- distribution channel or like what was like the ideal sales distribution channel for you? On, on the brand side, I think with probably many companies, um, or at least for me, I'm, I'm very much, I'm a very big product person. Um, so with Flowwater, it was very much the product, you know, and the experience that someone had with the product. And that's what I was so focused on. And, and for me, that's not only the look of the product, um, the, the taste of the product, um, but it's, it's the brand that is um, displayed and communicated via the product. So 
I'm a very big product person um, at heart. And, uh, and so when it came to Vive, um, I wanted to make sure, obviously, that our brand, uh, which really was our product at the time, was going to be something that um, really, really resonated with people and resonated with consumers. So there was a lot of work up front to figure that out. You know, we um, had to obviously figure out the right name. There was a process through which we found the right name. We really loved Vive for different reasons. Like, you know, it rhymes with Alive and Thrive and Revive, and it felt like it had really good energy. And that's what we were trying to bring, um, what we were trying to deliver for people through these powerful powerful superfoods, um, which then, you know, tied into the taste and the kick, um, which gives you that like burst of kind of energy that you feel. So there was a lot of work that we did early on um, and just in how we wanted the brand and the product to be positioned um, in, in the marketplace. And so, um, but at, at the same time, you know, you can do all of that, but then a lot of it comes down to just truly testing and learning. You know, once you launch it, you learn so much at that point about what you got right and what you didn't. And then you have to make very quick, you know, iterative improvements and, and pivots um, based on those learnings, which we, of course, had to do with with any any startup. How did you also think about what what's kind of interesting, I think, about this, too, because Vive Organic, when I think about, you know, the brand, it's you kind of want the customer, not that you can take it, you know, any time of the day, but kind of ideally it's to kind of be part of this new habit of, you know, taking it as like your kind of morning shot, right? Like this is, you wake up, you take a Vive Organic shop and you feel great, right? And it maybe cover, cover some of the nutrients maybe you don't get in other drinks or foods. And so um, it just makes your body feel, you know, a lot better. And it's interesting because I've had on, you know, um, Chris from AG1 and I've had on Yanni from Yellow, uh, from Lemon Perfect and very different products, right? Um, to Vive, but it's all all the branding and marketing behind it is we want this to be kind of like the first product that you take in the morning, right? How do you, how do you kind of think to yourself about like the habit side creation that you're trying and the kind of the consumer education around that? Um, and as well as maybe like your like competitive set too, um, when it comes to like morning drinks. I mean, that's really interesting that, that they're both going after that morning routine. Um, I can say that, you know, we certainly didn't have, uh, we, we weren't thinking about that when we got Vive off the ground. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It was, you know, it was more, that's where it goes back, at least for me, it goes back to this whole like testing and learning. You, you just, you only know so much. And at the very, at the very start, um, and you kind of have to go through this learning journey and, and, and really find that path of least resistance and, and really follow that path of least resistance. And that kind of takes you to this place where you you um, are able to then tap into um, you know lots of lots of things like certain routines and you know the type of consumer that you're connecting with and what they um, you know what their habits are and what their uh, what their interests are and all of that stuff. Um, but uh, when when we got started, you know what we saw were just an, a lot of different indicators. These are really early early what I call like early trend indicators. Um, and, you know, similar stuff that I kind of saw with, with flow water and those reusable water bottles uh, and, and the students filling them up at the drinking fountains and those things that um, I noticed and I thought, hey, these are, these are kind of, these are interesting behavioral changes that I'm seeing. I saw similar things with shots. 
um, in 2015 based on what I was, I was digging into. And so that gave me the confidence that there was going to be a big trend around this concept of power, a powerful two ounce, um, you know, refrigerated shot, but we didn't know, you know, 99% of obviously what we know today, like when do, when are people going to really enjoy these? When are they, when are they going to take these? Like, how is it going to work in their routine? Are they going to drink it with a coffee? Are they going to drink it before they go to bed? You know, we didn't know any of that type of stuff. And so that was all part of our just learning journey and discovery um, over the years and then really kind of tapping into that over time. What was it like? Was did, did you also feel like there was a consumer education piece about taking, you know, a wellness shot and, and vibe since, you know, this was something that you were, you know, very, very into you know, eating healthy and, you know, drinking healthy and still you like, it seemed like, you know, years later, um, then maybe you should have, you know, discovered that this was an option with like, you know, um, uh, with these ingredients. And so how, how did you kind of approach that kind of consumer education piece? Yeah, we, so we did do a ton of demos early on. I mean, we, it was, it was Kyle, JR and I, um, uh, my two co-founders who I got, you know, who are just amazing people, amazing humans, so talented. Um, I got so lucky with partnering with them, um, on, on Vive. Um, and, and so in the beginning, I mean, we were doing demos like every day, like all the time in, in the handful of stores that we had launched into. And then eventually we launched into Whole Foods in Southern California and we were cranking out demos with, you know, us three, but then we at that point had some other team members that had joined. Um, so, so that was like a lot of early, um, consumer education, but also going back to that learning, that was like where we were learning so much about what the consumers, you know, were liking about our shots or what they weren't liking about our shots, the packaging, the flavor, the kick, all that stuff. Um, but part of it and what has made Vive successful, um, is, and, and it's funny cause it's, it's, it's probably, it's the only area that I know at this point is I've now had a chance to start two businesses in which there is a kind of groundswell of momentum that helps to carry the brands forward. Like there, there is a consumer behavioral shift that's taking place and we are at the early end of that spectrum and it helps to really carry the brand and propel it forward. Um, uh, one of our investors in, in Flowwater he was uh, the, the founder of Tetris, and uh, he told me early on in Flowwater, um, you know, starting a business like Flowwater is like surfing. He we he lives in Hawaii as well, and he's like, it's like surfing. You don't want to be paddling, you know, too far out in front of the wave because the wave won't have caught up to you yet, and it won't be picking you and uh, picking you up and lift and really moving you forward. But you also don't want to start paddling for the wave once that wave has passed you, because then you're just paddling and paddling. It's a ton of work. So you got to time it. You have to time it right. Um, and that's obviously not very easy to time it right. But fortunately with Vive, we did. And, um, and there was this really like big, just category growth that took place over the next seven years. Um, I don't really know how to start a business in which the category is already like completely built out, like the water category. Like I would be probably... I'd be pretty nervous, I think, starting a business in the water category because 
it's already so built out. I don't even, I, I don't know if I would know where to start. So I, I kind of, for me, have to see those trends and then, and then get going. So you'd be nervous of starting a, uh, a, a liquid death of today, right? <laughs> I think, I, I think I would. Yeah. Bravo, you know, kudos to them for building such a great brand. Uh, it, yes. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah, no, uh, how, um, that also makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's, and that's like the key to it, right? getting like your actual timing right with the market. And it's it's easy to say in 2020 that it worked or it didn't work, right? Like, oh, the timing wasn't right. I was too early or I was or, or I was too late. But in those kind of moments, it's really hard to to tell if you're kind of right on time. But just like, you know, as you say, like just like surfing, really hard to like catch the wave and kind of get that, you know, perfect timing. It takes, you know, years to actually master. Um so um yeah, I I I love that analogy. Um how did you approach as well, like your, um, your sales channels and like convincing retailers, um, to actually carry by? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually a, that was a pretty tricky one, you know, given we had this little two ounce shot that was sitting next to, uh, you know, kombucha or, or 16 ounce juices at the time. And, um, and this wasn't a category when we were getting started there, there were really very few other, uh, shot brands you know, kind of getting, getting going at the same time. Um, so what we did was, you know, we launched our first ever account was Irwan in Southern California and Lazy Acres. Um, and uh, fortunately, as I mentioned, our timing was right. We had the right product market fit. So the product fortunately just flew off the shelf um, along with a lot of, we did a lot of demos there, but it fortunately flew off the shelf. Um, and so we were able to then use that kind of early velocity performance at Lazy Acres and Irwan to then go present to, you know, the next account that we wanted to get into. And let's say maybe that was, you know, Whole Foods. And so now we're sharing that that data and information with Whole Foods and, you know, they're looking at it and 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 they're thinking that this has a lot of potential. So then they give it a shot and they they pilot it out. And then, you know, that's maybe five stores in Southern California and they see the performance of those five stores. We're able to take that data, which was really compelling, and present it to the region, and then you know eventually present it uh, to you know global, and and that was slowly the build within maybe the natural channel. Now in the conventional channel, it was you know it was similar, but um, you know we it just took a lot of convincing through data. We had to we had to get our foot in the door. Um, we had to prove out that the product performed really well. And that there was strong velocity, and that there was reason to to have it on their shelf. Um, and then once we did that in a certain account, like and even if it was just a handful of a couple stores, we took that data, we packaged it up, and we presented it to the next group, and we showed them why it made sense for them to take the product. And then you know it took a lot of convincing, but eventually they gave us a shot, and then they put it on their shelf, and fortunately it flew off the shelf. And so we took that you know, story and package it up and shared it with the next group and the next, the next retailer, and they saw the potential and then they gave it a shot. And slowly over time, um, you know, doing that kind of on a one-off basis with enough groups and, and partners, eventually, you know, you could start to see it just in the data. Um, and it became, you know, easy, easily kind of spotable in the syndicated data, um, just the category growth and the category momentum. And then that's when, you know, everyone really started to, to jump on board with the category and, and really adopt it. When did you feel like 
you cross that chasm, so to speak, from natural to conventional. Uh, because when I talk to investors, for example, that you know invest in primarily you know in in food and beverage companies, they say you know like our sweet spot is to kind of take a brand that maybe is performing you know or or, or could be you know a premium a product better for your product that's you know in the in the in the natural channels and actually be able to kind of scale that where it actually would work in conventional, right? Um, which totally makes sense on paper. Totally makes sense. Like that's like the opportunity, right? Um, but for you, when was kind of the feeling that it actually was working in conventional and that you kind of crossed that, that, that chasm, so to speak. This was uh this was another really unique um, aspect of Vive where I do, do believe we, we definitely got, we landed on kind of the lucky side of the spectrum uh, in that our product seemed to work. This was, this certainly was, a, I think a bit unusual. It seemed to work in pretty much every channel in pretty much every region across the country as, as we continue to to expand. And so a lot of brands, they do have to kind of prove themselves out in the natural channel and and grow, you know, their velocity and their brand awareness and their product awareness in the natural channel and then eventually make that jump to the next channel like conventional or grocery and then prove it out and then maybe make the next jump. Um, though at this point there is becoming probably more overlap across all channels. I I'd imagine then there has really been in the past where there were more like your hardcore natural consumers. There still are, but maybe they don't kind of ever cross over into, you know, conventional or mass uh, or club, but now there definitely is more crossover. Fortunately for Vive, when we launched, um, we, we, we launched in that early, early Irwan and Lazy Acres and we, we, we proved that the product could work and it performed well, and we could manufacture it and all of that stuff. So then we raised our first, uh, our seed round of funding, and we launched um, a, a heavy, kind of aggressive and rapid test and learn in January of 2017, about about uh, eight months after launching our initial shots in Irwan and Lazy Acres, we hired team members, and we went as fast as we could to test and learn in every single channel that we could get Vive into in Southern California. And I mean, we went, you know, in every, everything, everything possible. So it's like airports, corporate campuses, universities, convenience stores, um, you know, yoga studios, coffee shops, vegan restaurants, natural stores, conventional stores, whatever we could get into. We wanted to see which channels would generate the highest output in velocity with the least amount of input. Cause we didn't know, we didn't know if it was going to be maybe, the conventional channel would do even better than the natural channel or we, we didn't know. And so we wanted to test and learn as quickly as we, as we could. Um, and then once we knew we had found three channels that were really rising to the top and the velocities in these three channels were really high compared to the others, they all were working. That's what was really unique and exciting. They were all working, but there was three channels that really rose to the top. And those are the channels that we then decided, let's go focus on scaling these nationally. Let's raise our Series A. Let's throw gas on the fire. Let's go fast in these channels across the country, these three channels across the country. And let's be first mover in these three channels across the country. Let's win in these. And then from there, we'll continue to to branch out into other channels. What was it like as well? Because this is kind of your second rodeo when it comes to raising money, right? You raised um, a bit of money with um, Flowwater. What was it like this time around that was different to 
flow water and how did you kind of pick and choose or or were or were you able to pick and choose um uh your investors and kind of how did you run that that whole process yeah yep just it was another learning another huge learning experience um flow water was kind of in between the food and beverage space like a it was you know it was on the one hand like a branded water but on the other hand it was like hardware and because it was kind of living in the middle of these two worlds there wasn't a clear group of investors that we could really target. And so that actually made it harder to raise capital um, for flow water. There wasn't like all the VCs that exist within the, the food and beverage ecosystem. Um, so with flow water, it was a total learning experience. You know, I raised a $18,600 bank loan. Then it was about $120,000 um, friends and family round. Then some additional uh, loans from that group then a $950,000 round from the Tech Coast Angels and the Hawaii Angels. And then we raised a seed round from Super uh, Series A from Super Angels, and then eventually a Series B from uh, Venture Capital. Um, and with Vive, so we had to, we, we really had in Flowwater, we had to use a lot of angel investors. And, and then we went the Super Angel route for our Series A because we didn't have um, VCs that um, we're coming in for our series A at, at Flowwater, but for Vive, um, there is a much larger ecosystem of angels and VCs and private equity group that are focused very heavily focused on food and beverage and CPG. Um, so that definitely made it a lot easier to, you know, to connect with all these great people and to share with them what we were up to, get their advice, get their feedback, get their perspective on, you know, how we should think about our business, because they all have, you know, seen so many different businesses, you know, perform well, but also fail. So we were able to get lots of feedback and advice from them. Um, and it was really just about, you know, building the relationships with all these different great people in the in the industry. Um, you know, from the very early days of, of Vive, the one thing that obviously helped me helped us tremendously was, I had the experience with Flowwater. So I was able to use all of those investors to raise our first round of funding. Um, so they all, you know, uh, supported Vive and, and funded our friends and family round, which um, when, before we had a product developed. And then when it came to raising our seed round, you know, a lot of them contributed as well. But at that point, we ended up finding a uh, VC who funded the majority of um, the seed round. Um, and then we had more angel investors for our bridge round uh, to get to a Series A because we were still a little early from a net sales perspective. And then we raised our Series A from and Power Plant uh, led that, and some other really great groups like Blueberry Ventures came in, and Cambridge uh, Companies SPG came in, Philip. And then we eventually raised our Series B uh, from from Monogram um, uh, later on in in twenty twenty. Amazing, amazing. No, and I I appreciate you sharing that process as well. And maybe some of like the differences between um, when you um, kind of flow water and how that came up versus vibe. Um, keep on Twitter. I told, I, I mentioned on Twitter that, that, that we're going to be chatting and Kiva Dickinson responded. I said, what, what questions should we ask Wyatt? And Kiva says, ask about carrying his cool around the trail, the trade shows in the beginning, biggest hustler. There is goat. Um, how did you approach trade shows from the beginning and maybe what's your some of your advice for uh, for doing it when it comes to vibe that <laughs> so in the in the early days um 
you know, it was, uh, we needed to get our product in front of every person that we possibly could, especially, you know, my job was very much make sure we had, you know, all the capital that we needed uh, to scale the business and that we were always having an oversubscribed round of funding at every round. Um, and so that meant, you know, I needed to be connecting with, with all the right people. Um, so I went everywhere I went, uh, you know, when it, whether, wherever it was, you know, I brought my cooler, uh, with me that had vibe shots in it. And I brought my iPad that had our pitch deck on it because I didn't know who I was going to be interacting with, whether it was the bar, you know, and it was after the trade show at the bar, I had my cooler in my iPad in case I had to pull it out. That's actually how we got, uh, one of our investors and board members, uh, Bill Moses, uh, I met him. Uh, it was after it was an after event, um, and I, uh, you know, walked up to him and you know had the cooler and had the uh, the iPad and and kind of pitched him right there at the bar, and, uh, and that started our initial um, kind of connection and 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 conversation. Um, and then eventually he joined our board and and invested. Um, so I guess just always, always be ready to, you know, get in front of the right people and make sure that you are just on it all the time uh, is what is what we had to do with Vive from pretty much the first day. Cool, cool, cool. No, I, I, I appreciate that because, you know, it's always hard, right? Because you're in there with, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of brands, all try to do the same thing. So it's all about how to actually, are you able to kind of stand out and always be prepared to kind of have that conversation, maybe with the buyer that you've been trying to get into, or, you know, an investment investor that you've been meeting to meet that then is interested. Like you kind of always, I'd imagine it's pretty stressful because you always kind of have to be, you know, kind of on it and, you know, focused. Um, uh, and, um, so, so yeah, no, I, 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 I really, um, appreciate those thoughts. So recently, very recently, um, you sold, uh, Vive sold to um, uh, Suja. Walk me through how that actual process came about. Why you why you decided that Suja was kind of the right fit, um, and um, and just your thoughts around the sale. Yeah. The uh, yep. So we did. We Suja acquired Vive, which was um, you know last thirty days or so. So big uh, big announcement there. Super exciting for us. Um, and the partnership going forward, the Suja team is um, just a, a great group of people that we are getting to work with. So it's it's been awesome. Um, and uh, so it really started late last year, um, early this year. We have we have a a great board of directors at Vive, um, just a, a a really talented group of people, and um, we formed a, a subcommittee to start to look into, you know, potential liquidity, uh, and, and kind of what the, the right time frame um, for potential liquidity might be. Um, but we weren't trying to run a sale process or anything like that. We actually kind of expected that we would continue to build the business for, um, for a couple more, at least a few more years. Um, and, and the feedback that we were getting this, we had, um, uh, some really great investment bankers, um, you know, sharing kind of their perspectives with this subcommittee of our of our board, and and kind of just their view of our brand, their view of you know liquidity options today, and you know what they thought might be the right timing. Based on all that feedback, we were thinking that we were just going to keep scaling the business, uh, and you know, getting to kind of uh, a point in time, you know, 
from a, a net sales perspective and an EBITDA perspective that we thought would would be kind of the right point at which we could go out and and start to see if there was interest in in the business. That wasn't going to be for probably you know probably early 2024 is when we were thinking about it. Um, and that's what we were putting you know that's what we were planning to do. And then uh, it turned out that we ended up having um, actually some inbound interest come in uh, you know early up. I think it was um, Q2, Q2-ish of, of this year. And um, we, of course, needed to take it seriously uh, for, for um, kind of for the benefit of all of our stockholders. And so we, we did take it seriously. We looked into it. Um, turned out that we thought the, the potential to partner with Suja and create uh, the largest refrigerated, you know, healthy um, beverage platform in the country um, was a pretty exciting and pretty big, you know, aspiration and goal. And that by Vive and and Suja joining forces, we could really do something big. Um, and so we we really got excited um, by the concept. And and then as we continued to do, they did diligence on us and we did diligence on on them. We just continued to get more and more bullish in their team their board, the people that they have around the table and how they're thinking about the business and how they're thinking about the shot category and the juice category and, and all of that. So, um, we also, you know, in that process learned that we had a very similar mission statement. We had similar core values. Their, um, company culture was very similar. Our company culture, they're a Southern California brand. So are we, and we just had a lot of synergy and, um, thought that that uh, that we could do great things together. So that's kind of what got us got us going. That's that's awesome. Um, you know, when it comes to any you know acquisition, there's always kind of the question that's always hard to answer because you you don't really know until it's happened. But about culture and you know how do you make sure that there's kind of alignment with your team and you know the acquiring team in terms of their how did you do maybe diligence on that side? And again, I know it's only it's it's hard until you kind of have been acquired, right? And then you actually like experience it and you're part of the day to day. But how did you think about like that question that, you know, that this was kind of the right move from like that standpoint as well? And and of course, this is my my first uh ex, you know, type of this is my first acquisition, first time ever selling a business. So um you know, a lot of it was was learning for me for the first time. But, uh, you know, I think it's it, it the way we approached it was kind of similar to almost uh, an interview process. So, um, you know, in an interview process, you're going to have, you know, your different areas that you're going to dig into. Um, and, and some of those areas will be, well, a lot of those will be focused on experience. Some of it will be focused on, you know, culture. Um but even through the interactions that you have when you're digging into the experience, you can start to pick up on culture. And, and so that's kind of how we, we handled it in the diligence process and the reverse diligence process was we um, were able to connect with a lot of the different Suja leadership team members through that process, whether it was focused on you know, experience or um, kind of digging into different areas of expertise um, or whether it was just purely focused on understanding how they think about their team and, you know, their culture and their mission, their values. Um, but through, through that process, we were able to, to 
to get a, a pretty good sense of how they were, uh, you know, how they, how they approach things and how they thought about things. And it just built our confidence. Um, and so, you know, it's always a bit of a bet. It's always, you know, you're, you can't be a hundred percent confident, even when you hire, you know, you spend all this time on, on a hiring process, you can't be a hundred percent confident that you're hiring the right person, but you, you can get your confidence level pretty high. And, and that's what we were able to do, um, in, in the process with Suja. That's great. That's great. Um, what's, what's one book that's inspired you personally and one book that's inspired you professionally? Yeah, the, one of the best books I've read for, uh, for me professionally was creating passion driven teams. So that is a book, um, that Kyle JR and I are, our three, our other two co-founders, uh, we all read at the start of Vive and we've reread it multiple times and we had a book review on it, you know, at the very beginning of Vive when we were working to get our culture, you know, and, and, and really get all that foundational stuff established. Um, and then ever since every team member that has joined Vive, we've had them within the first two months of them joining, they, they received the book and we asked them to read it. And then we, um, end up having a little, you know, hour session with them to go through like anything that they thought was interesting or, you know, cool about, um, stuff that was discussed in the book. So that's an awesome book. It, it, it really like for me covers, like it just covers pretty much everything that you'd want to like know and, and, and think about when, when creating a, when trying to create the best uh, team and, and culture as possible. Wyatt, this has been so much fun chatting. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. There you have it. It was awesome chatting with Wyatt. I hope you all enjoyed listening. Again, I highly recommend you subscribing to my newsletter at theconsumervc.com where you'll get all episodes to your inbox and a weekly roundup of all the consumer venture capital deals that are happening. Thanks for listening, folks. 